Let's give the Lord some praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. How many is glad to be a part of the kingdom of God? How many is glad God saw fit to put you in Kennet to be a part of the kingdom of God? We could be anywhere else right now, but we're in Kennet, and we're in his presence, and there is not a church in this fair land that we need to take a back seat to. You're a part of a great church, and there are great things happening in a great church. Good things are happening all around us. God's moving. And uh, I'm so glad to be a part of that. Thank you for coming to Bible study, the, uh, the Bible class this morning. And I'm going to take your attention to the book of Luke, the fourth chapter. And uh, Luke chapter 4, verse number one and two, and then I'm going to skip down to verse number four. Luke chapter four, verses one and two, and then, uh, sorry, not verse four, but verse 14. It says, and Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. That's how verse one ends. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness Verse 2 tells us why. Being 40 days tempted of the devil. Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. The devil didn't lead him into the wilderness. The Spirit led him into the wilderness. What was the point of that? Verse 14 clarifies, after the temptations are over and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. He's led by the Spirit to be tempted. And after the temptation, he returns in the power of the Spirit. He is tempted so that he can return from his temptation empowered by his experience. And today I'm just going to share with you a topic we don't talk about very much. It's something we're all familiar with. It's something every single one of us has to deal with. And if you ever meet someone that says that they don't, then they're either a liar or they are very severely misinformed about the world. And that is temptation. We're going to talk about temptation today. Many years ago, this would be a topic that I would not dare stand behind this pulpit and bring up. 
I really wouldn't bring it up in a private conversation. Because there was a time many years ago throughout our movement that you got the Holy Ghost, you were baptized in Jesus' name, you repented, and that was it. You didn't dare admit after that point you were tempted with anything. You were past that point. You were past the point of temptation. That's something you didn't face. Today we are honest enough to admit temptation is just a fact of life. If you take your next breath, you are capable of being tempted. Temptation is something we deal with because we are still flesh. We may be full of the Holy Ghost. We may have the Holy Ghost inside of us, but temptation is something we deal with because I can still do that. I still have flesh, and I can still be tempted. But God uses temptation for a purpose. I'm sure when the devil saw the Spirit lead Jesus into the wilderness, he thought, this is it, I've got him. I'll throw every trick in the book at him, and I'll get him in some way or fashion. But God used that season of temptation to empower Jesus for his ministry that he was about to embark on. Perhaps a reason that we don't like to talk about temptation is because perhaps we confuse temptation with sin. And perhaps the devil convinces us and talks in our ear that if we're tempted, we're sinning. Well, if temptation is sin, Brother Sheeran can come up here to the pulpit. He can dismiss y'all. And we can go do something else because if temptation is sin, we're all in trouble because Jesus was tempted. Temptation in and of itself is not sin. Giving in to the temptation is what leads to sin. But being tempted just simply means... You're in the flesh, and you have a way to say no. Jesus was tempted in many ways. For 40 days, he was tempted. And in the Bible, in this passage, and again in the book of Matthew, there are three specific types of temptation, or three separate temptations, that the Bible talks about. In the book of 1 John, John writes to us and says, no temptation has happened to you except which is common to man. And John categorizes temptation in three areas. He says, all temptation falls into the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. And the three temptations that Luke and Matthew choose to record all three deal with those three areas of temptation. Jesus was tempted. For those 40 days he fasted. I fast for three days and I'm hungry. The Bible says Jesus fasted. In those days he did eat nothing. When they were injured he afterward hungered. 
How many of you think that if you fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, you'd be hungry at the end of it? Like I said, there's a day every week that I pick to be my fast day, and that's just the hardest day of the week. I don't eat breakfast. And every Wednesday I get up starving to death. Cornflakes sounds good on Wednesday mornings. Every other morning of the world, I can go without it, but that's the one day I'm hungry. He fasted for 40 days, and he was hungry. And the devil comes to him and says, If thou be the Son of God, in verse 3, command this stone that it be made bread. Command this stone. This stone right here that we're in the middle of this desert, this stone right here, hey, turn it into bread. You're hungry. You deserve this. Turn it into bread. This is an example of the lust of flesh. When the devil tempts us, or our flesh, because I hate to tell you, the devil can tempt you, but I don't need the devil to tempt me. My own flesh will tempt me at times. The lust of the flesh usually involves something that in and of itself is not wrong, but it's a shortcut. There was nothing wrong with Jesus breaking his fast and eating bread. There was nothing wrong with that. But there's a process you have to go through to get bread. Anybody ever baked bread before? There's a process that you have to go through. And the devil's offering him a shortcut to something that in and of itself is not wrong. But it's an immediate gratification. Hey, you're hungry, don't go into town and go to the bakery and buy it. Just instantly take care of it right now. In and of itself, it's not wrong. But the timing is wrong. It's a shortcut to get what your flesh desires. And I could bring up anything in this case. In Jesus' case here, it was hunger. There's nothing wrong with eating. I could bring up other temptations. I'm going to say something controversial. Sex in and of itself is not wrong in its proper place in a marriage between a man and a woman. But the temptation is to shortcut that for immediate gratification. The devil will try to get you to shortcut, and this could be anything that in and of itself is not wrong but he's like don't take the proper route just take care of it now Jesus responded it is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word of God he turns it on the devil and says you know what you don't have to just live by bread alone I'm going to feed my spiritual man Instead of immediately gratifying the hunger I feel in my stomach, I'm going to feed my spiritual man with the word of God. And in all three times that we have this temptation, Jesus responds not by telling the devil, get lost. Not by saying, do you know who you're dealing with? He doesn't even respond by saying, uh, do you remember who kicked you out of heaven? He responds with the word of God. 
and says, argue with that devil. In a moment when we're tempted for that immediacy, we need to feed our spiritual man instead and take it the other way. Then the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. That's a bold statement. Proverbs 24 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He's telling Jesus, all this is mine. It was delivered to me, and whoever I want, I give it to him. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. He tells him, all of this glory, all of these riches, I'll give it to you. If you'll just fall down and worship me. This perhaps could be categorized as the lust of the eyes. The lust of the eyes is something we see that we want. In this case, it involves perhaps the oldest temptation of all time, which is power and glory and money. Which perhaps is why the Bible tells us the love of money is the root of all evil. There's nothing necessarily wrong with perhaps wanting money. Or perhaps wanting fame. Almost every young person desires that. But here we are given a trade-off. Not relying on God to supply my need. But instead turning to the devil and giving him me. In exchange for the riches of this world that won't last anyway. And we are tempted perhaps with our pride. I can become somebody. I can make more money if I do this. If I go to this job, there's nothing wrong with changing jobs. There's nothing wrong with going from one job to the next. But here we find somebody perhaps who's tempted, well, if I go from this job to this job, I'll make more money. I just have to work on Sunday. Or I can go from this job to this job. I can go get this job and I can really provide for my family. You know, I can rise up in the company. It's just I have to move to a place where the nearest apostolic church is about 150 miles away in any direction. There's nothing wrong with those things. But the Bible tells us to trust in God. And he will provide for us. He will provide what we need if we will simply put our trust in the Lord and give it to him. If we'll put him first. I believe there's a verse in the Bible that says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things shall be added unto you. The temptation is to, instead of relying on him, to rely on ourselves. Well, I think I can, I can make this. I've heard famous last words. Um, in my youth group growing up was they would go up to our youth pastor well should I take this job and the question they were always asked was do you have to work on Sundays the answer is always yeah but it's only for a little time 
yeah, but it's just for the next six months. Yeah, but when I get more seniority, you know, after I've worked there, then I can choose my shifts. Apparently, after six months, they chose to work on Sundays. The lust of the eyes is that thing that we desire. That, to be honest, if we'll simply trust in him, he'll give it to us anyway. He responds, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Once again, it is written. It is written. I know this book. Devil, that's what he said. Then he brings him to Jerusalem and sets him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, jump. Cast thyself down from hence. For it, it is written, now notice this isn't in red letter, this is written in black. It is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Here we have the devil trying to turn the tables on Jesus, and he starts using scripture. It is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. That actually is written in the book of Psalms. The problem is, he leaves out about a half a verse. Because the actual passage says, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. If we're not careful, he will try to get us to find what we want. Perhaps even from the very word of God to justify the decision we're about to make. Here we find the pride of life. Perhaps the one thing we struggle with even more than the other two is our pride. The pride of life, wanting to be right. Is there anybody that you, you want to be right? Even when you're wrong, you want to be right. And you will use any argument that you can to be right. Even in the back of your mind, you know you're wrong. But you just got to prove your point and be right. Here, the devil gives Jesus an out. You can twist the scripture. Just jump off this temple. The angels will catch you. You know, the Bible says that they'll keep you. Just jump off. Many commentators state that right here, his main intention is to get Jesus to commit suicide. He's like, well, I can't get him any other way. If I get him in his pride to jump off the temple, my answers will be found at the bottom. But Jesus answers and says, it is said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. You got to try better than that, devil. 
you're attempting the wrong one. And I'm not about to. In our pride, we will even try to tempt the Lord into giving us our way. But it said, do not tempt the Lord your God. And after 40 days of this, the devil ends all of his temptation. And he departs from him for a season. The devil's not done with Jesus yet. He's just done for the present. And he waits, one translation says, for a more opportune time. And after all of that series of temptations is when we get to verse 14 where it says, after he's overcome, Jesus returns in the power of the Spirit. Temptation is something all of us face. And the devil intends for it to be our end. He intends to trip us up. He intends to get us to sin. He knows that the temptation in and of itself is not sin. But he wants us to give in so that we sin. Or perhaps he'll even use the very fact that we are tempted against us. To make us feel guilty that we're tempted with something. As I said, temptation in and of itself is not. A sin. Because we've learned from Jesus we can be tempted and not give in to it. You can be an overcomer in temptation. And when that temptation has ended, every time you overcome a temptation, you're like Jesus. You have now returned with the power of the Spirit. You don't have to give in to the lust of the flesh, the shortcuts that the devil wants us to take. We don't have to give in to the lust of the eyes and be tempted by a goal that perhaps is just out of reach. And we don't have to give in to the pride of life having to be right even in the midst of our wrong. But we can overcome. And we're taught in this passage the most effective way of overcoming is with the Word of God. This is more than just your instruction manual. This is your weapon. Because the devil can argue with you all day long. You can sit and argue with the devil about whether it's right or wrong all you want to. But when you put the book before him and say, it is written. He can't argue with the book. Because forever, O oh Lord. Thy word is settled in heaven. This word is eternal and it works. And this book will help you overcome every temptation that we face. Don't feel defeated when you're tempted. Just hold on. Fight back with the word. And watch what God does with you on the other side. Man, I'm thankful.